for me, it was the right fit you know, against the New York Giants. Like, this is this is the New York Giants. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. Man, I'm so blessed. It's crazy. I've been manifesting New York. I, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be New York, but now that we're here, man, God is good. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I'm your host, Art Stapleton, and I wanted to wish all of you happy and a healthy holiday season. The New York Giants are smack dab in the middle of a playoff race. Huge win in Washington puts them at 8-5-1, and one, and it's been a while but we have playoff clinching scenarios for the New York Giants heading into this weekend. A big Christmas Eve game in Minnesota against the Vikings, the 11-win Vikings. So this has been a up-and-down roller coaster since the bye week for the Giants. But as they said in Jerry Maguire, how Cush saves all. Well, the win over Washington saves all. And now the Giants are about anywhere from 88 to 90% probable to clinch that playoff berth by the end of the season and get into the postseason for the first time since Ben McAdoo's first season in 2016. On today's show, one of the unsung performers for this team and really... He's been an MVP for the last two years and is, again, about at the highest level that he's been at since he's been in the NFL. That's Graham Gano. Kickers are people, too, as Lawrence Tynes always reminds us. And what Gano is doing and what he's had to do the last couple weeks has been very interesting. So I sat down with Graham after practice on Wednesday and talked about a bunch of different things. I think you'll really enjoy, uh, the interview. We talked about his preparation, uh, what it was like to kick in MetLife stadium against Washington, then against Philly and then obviously at FedEx Field, but now preparing for Minnesota, what it's going to be like to go indoors, and it's a kicker's dream to go from the type of conditions that he was kicking in the last three weeks in huge games and now getting to go inside uh, for a guy who has good range to begin with. uh, That's a huge plus for the Giants going into that game against Minnesota. Uh, they have an edge at kicker, a clear edge, and I think Gano relishes that opportunity. Last week against Washington, two 50-yard field goals in those conditions. Uh, it's just been a tremendous performance, so we'll talk to Graham about that. And then we'll have the final drive, your questions, my answers, to sew up this week's all-in episode. Let's go through the clinching scenarios for the Giants. It all starts with a win in Minnesota, which won't be easy. Obviously, Minnesota is only coming off the greatest comeback in NFL history against the Colts last week, down 33 to nothing. They come all the way back and win that game. So they're riding a little bit of momentum. When you look at what you have to do, 
to play a team like that, they're going to need to come right out of the gates. And Minnesota is probably a natural letdown for them. They clinched the division last week. So that in and of itself, the Vikings know they're going to the playoffs. And there's really not much movement. You don't anticipate the Eagles giving up that top spot. Now, the Vikings have to watch San Francisco coming up from behind them to steal that number two spot. But remember, there's only one bye in each league. So whether you're two or whether you're three, it really just comes down to the opponents. And ultimately, if you reach a certain point, uh, you would you would end up getting home field advantage if you're the two over the three. But. Minnesota, really, that was their game last week. So I think the Giants might be catching them at the right time. That remains to be seen. So here's the deal. Playoff scenario. Giants beat Minnesota. Then they only need two of the following three to happen. I'll go least likely to most likely. Detroit playing in Carolina. They need a Lions loss. Seattle playing in Kansas City, they would need a Seattle loss. And then Washington playing in San Francisco, they would need Washington to lose to the 49ers. Now, if they get two of those plus a win over Minnesota, the Giants are going to the playoffs. And that would be the clinching scenario this weekend. Now, Washington-San Francisco, that game is late in the afternoon on Christmas Eve. So unless you get all three of those circumstances in the 1 o'clock window, the Giants will not clinch until 7, 8 o'clock on Christmas Eve if those results come in for them. So if you beat Minnesota... And you only get one of those two, Detroit or Seattle, losing. Which, again, Detroit losing to Carolina, it's possible, but unlikely. Seattle in Kansas City is the most likely in that window. And then, obviously, I think Washington has its hands full going to San Francisco. Uh, can they win? Sure. They can beat They can beat the 49ers. Uh, but... We'll go from there when we get it. So those are your scenarios. That's the clinching scenario uh, for the Giants this weekend. Uh, I think you'll have everybody healthy except for Adoree Jackson. Uh, I don't believe he plays, and Shane Lemieux will not play. Uh, I think Adoree Jackson will return against the Colts on New Year's Day. And I think Xavier McKinney is inching closer to being able to get back out there on the field. He's working a lot on strengthening his hand. uh, And I don't think they want to throw a club on there. That's the bottom line. Uh, I think they like the way Jason Pinnock has played. And you have to think long-term also for Xavier McKinney. So we'll see where that is. Uh, We don't have many details on the situation uh, because the Giants are keeping that very close to the vest. But McKinney has been around. He's been in the locker room. He was out working with the training staff yesterday during practice. So this isn't a situation where Xavier McKinney is tucked away in a corner at the facility. So usually when that happens... You could see a player being a part of this stuff. 
down the stretch, especially if the Giants get into the playoffs, we could see Xavier McKinney back on the field. But a lot of that has to do with how his hand is healing. Uh, I don't think they wanted to put him out there uh, if his hand is not 100% healed because of the way the finger fractures were, looked as if they were around the knuckles. Uh, and now you're talking about something that you could severely uh, hinder him over a longer period of time, you don't want that. I know the circumstances for him getting hurt. You almost, you know, I've heard this from some fans. You get what you, you know, you get what you deserve. But the Giants are not going to handle things like that, and neither is McKinney. So let's see where they go. I do believe, like I said, that Adoree Jackson has a good chance of being back for the Indianapolis game, and that would be a huge boost for him. One note before we dive in with Graham Gano. Gardner Minshew and not Jalen Hurts will start for the Eagles against the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. Cowboys are up to a five-point favorite from Tipico. I would say that uh, I still favor the Eagles in that situation. I think Minshew is a pretty good backup. And when you have the talent, it's essentially giving the ball to an A.J. Brown or a Devontae Smith. Let them run the ball a little bit uh, with Miles Sanders and then the Eagles' defense, I think, will uh, match up pretty well with the Cowboys. So we'll see. But the Giants, I think you you need the Eagles to get that game out of the way and clinch that number one seed. And you don't want to be going into Week 18 where the Eagles might still have something to play for. Uh, that's just something to keep in mind if things go horribly wrong over the next two weeks for the Giants in Minnesota and then obviously home against Indianapolis. But without further ado, let me get to my interview with Graham Gano. Uh, second time he was on the show. Last year we did more of a big picture, who he is, what career he was. You could find that on all your favorite podcast platforms from last season. Uh, but this season, Graham and I talked about the intricacies of kicking, what it's like week to week, uh, how he fits in the locker room. He's got a front row seat to the ping pong battles that have broken out this year with the Giants. So I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed sitting down with Graham. And uh, without further ado, let's get to my interview with Graham Gano. All right, joining me now, hopefully the uh, Pro Bowl kicker for the NFC. I think you really deserve it, but you're certainly a Pro Bowler throughout your career. Graham Gano, uh, you know, it's funny, the other night in Washington, we were talking about all the playmakers on the team, and, you know, Saquon Barkley was asked, do you guys view Graham Gano the same way? And he said, absolutely. So little love for the kicker. Graham, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. appreciate it. That's high praise from Saquon, too. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of funny because you, your career has been, you know, very interesting as far as the trajectories that you've taken. Right now, do you feel like you're kicking the best that you've ever kicked at age 35? I do, yeah. I feel, uh, I feel strong. Um, you know, I battle some injuries in kind of the middle part of my career, beginning and middle. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like every year I'm trying to improve on little things, you know, little details. And um, even though this season, you know, is going well, I still want it to be better. So uh, it's interesting. I think that's just the, the nature of, of what I do. You know, kicking, I always want to be perfect. If, if it's not perfect, then you're not happy. So um, that's just part of the job. And, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to, to still be playing. You know, it's always interesting to me because we dive into so much about preparation on offense, on defense. We don't really talk much about your preparation, especially, uh, you know, the three of you guys between you and Jamie and uh, Kreider. 
and the idea of what you have to do. Now, we just had practice today. You had practice here. Mm-hmm. You guys ended up working. It was at least 30 minutes after practice. You're out here kicking. Um, when had, did you settle on in your career uh, on the right routine for yourself during the week based um, on practice schedules? I think as, a, as I get older, you know, things change here and there. Um, you know, I'm not putting as much weight on my back. And um, I've learned different ways to develop explosiveness without, you know, um, putting too much pressure on the body but uh yeah the details of the work I feel like my last year in Washington I'd kind of figured it out um or start started to figure it out I'd made my last 14 kicks um and I think a block was in there somewhere but uh then they they figured that wasn't good enough so they let me go and and Carolina Carolina picked me up and that's kind of where I began you know building on that and uh, minor tweaks here and there, but I've, I've kind of had the same routine, same form since uh, about 2012. We get we get so caught up in watching pregame warm-ups, and that's where you factor in because all of a sudden we're scouting out distances, and you've had a crazy three weeks in terms of being all outdoors, mm-hmm. all the knowledge you gain in pregame, how that changes during the game. Talk a little bit about that, and what is that like uh, when you're going through all the different things of trying to figure out, you know, being honest with yourself in terms yep. of where you're at and what you need to, you know, tell the coaches and let them know. Man, I could go, I could go on for hours about the uh, the intricacies of that. Um, you know, it changes from from pregame. You know, uh, Dave's will come up and ask me what my distance is or what direction to kick off. You know, pre pregame um, before I'm kicking, and then that could change in the hour you know before I come out and start kicking again and then it can also change in the 20 minutes we're in the locker room you know beforehand so I think it's just a constant communication Um, you know a met life is is always pretty windy and and it's been getting really cold so that changes things you know the the ball gets harder Um, you know after the game uh, the other night my whole ankle was was black and blue from kicking the ball Wow! Uh, just you know it's it feels like kicking a rock but um, these are things that you know over the course of career you kind of figure out and um, it's not that it's going to really affect you too much, but you know how to, to deal with it and, and manage it as the game goes on. Um, the other day in Washington, the wind shifted a, a good bit. It was swirling. And, you know, that I know fans and, and people uh, in the box and things don't quite see the wind or, or um, you can't see it, but the flags. and the, Right. We're always looking at the flags or like the little the little ribbons at the yep. top of the goalposts. And you can't trust those. Those, uh, those fool you. Like at FedEx Field, um, the flags on the very top of the stadium, the American flags, they go opposite of what the wind actually is doing on the field. So oh, wow. Is there's, that there's a lot you gained of, from having played from, there? Years? From having played there, yeah. So, uh, and you take notes on different stadiums you've played in. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, I've got the uh, the benefit of having the experience, but, you know, with the experience comes uh, comes uh, trial and error. So, um, you know, I try to try to – Coach T-Mac always talks about uh, there's two types of knowledge, borrowed and bought. You know, mm. uh, you don't want to buy it yourself and have the mistake yourself. You want to learn from others and, and borrow that knowledge. So I try to do that. I asked him today the idea of, you know, how much trust that you earn from them because, you know, you're a veteran. I mean, if you were a younger kicker, and I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're trying to win a job, you know, you might – fool yourself or try to convince you can do something that maybe you can't do like I think back to the tie against Washington you Mm -hmm. said you knew you know look you're going to go out there and hit that final kick as hard as you could but you knew if they asked you can you kick it you would be honest with them and say Mm -hmm. I probably need about five more yards yeah if you were younger you'll almost be like a 
you know, an eager guy. Oh, yeah, I yeah. can do a coach, well, no problem. T-Mac How do you will, work that balance? T-Mac will always tell you, like, if, if you come up to me in the game and say, can you make it? I'll say yes pretty much every time because I can I make it? Yeah, probably. I probably can. But, right. um, you know, given that situation, going back to Washington a couple weeks ago, uh, 58 yards that direction was pretty much impossible. But, like, the week before, 57 in a dome, I mishit in Dallas, and it went through by five yards. So it just depends on the week. Um you know, I, I hear a lot of people saying, like, why couldn't you make that? And I'm like, right. I can. It's just the situationally, you know, I, it, it wasn't going to work out. But in that situation, obviously, we have to try kicking it. Um, who knows? You know, maybe the wind shifts. Maybe the, you know, you just strike it perfectly. And uh, I'd love to have that one back. But you just move on. You know, you can't dwell on it too much. And, you know, fast forward two weeks, you get two more chances in, in Washington. And, and uh, you know, we were able to convert them. So. Uh, I think that's just the mental part of the game and, and uh, moving on to the next kick. The one other thing about the Washington thing, you said after the game that in pregame, you, that was longer than your actual distance, right? You thought in pregame going in that direction? And yeah, the so it actually changed. It changed um, going into the direction. So we hit 50s both ways, but right. uh, where Washington chose to punt, I think it was from the 34. We ended up kicking, a, uh, was it a field goal from 50, which would have been the 32-yard line. Um, but that was right on the range. If uh, you know, obviously you have adrenaline going in the game. I always try to factor that in. Adds a few yards. But uh, the wind shifted. It got colder as the night went on, which you know the ball hardens up. So there's a lot of factors that that play in. You know, you might be able to strike a ball further at the beginning of the game than you can at the end. Now you were kicker down in Carolina, and people, oh, you know, it's down south, but weather's not that bad. You come up here with an opportunity. Obviously, you started your career in Washington, Mm -hmm. but I'm looking at these stats, and Giants put this out yesterday. You have 19 field goals from 50 or more yards in three seasons with the Giants. I don't know how many of those are at MetLife. I don't know how many of those are indoors, but that's 10 more than any other kicker in franchise history. How much pride do you take on not just the consistency, but the consistency from long range for you? Um, I think it's it, it honestly uh, goes into the preparation that I, I have with the guys. You know, the, the line blocking for me, the uh, Casey and, and Jamie um, have been doing a great job. The, just the little details, you know, those uh, the little details really matter when it comes to the long ones especially. Everything has to be perfect. And not to uh, cut you off, T Mac just said today the little differences can make uh, the littlest things can make the biggest difference. It does. That's one hundred percent. I mean, that's a, that's so true. And uh, especially on the long kicks. I mean, really all the kicks. You know, it's it's such a crazy league. You know, you've got guys that are elite at what they do, rushing to block your kick. So it's got to be you know one point three seconds or less. You have to get it off. It's a moving ball. You know, sometimes the ball might be spinning on the ground. Sometimes the ground might be soft and. There's a lot of things that play into it. Um, even going into the kick, if something's off, like I'm switching mid-plant in the air. So, right. um, But, yeah, I think uh, I try not to take the 50-yarders uh, mentally or physically any different than I do the others. And gotcha. um, it's exciting to have those opportunities. You know, I'm, I'm happy that the coaches have trusted me with that, and I just try to go out there and, and uh, you know, kick it straight. So the black and blue on your, on your foot, I would imagine going to Minnesota where – on one hand, it'll probably be about one degree when you get yeah. off the plane, but you get to go indoors. Do you feel that physically when you go into a dome after kicking three weeks in a row in frigid weather? I mean, does your body kind of get that that bounce back? Uh, yeah, it's always nice kicking in a, in a dome. Um, I mean, you mentioned the Pro Bowl thing earlier. We always look, 
and it's like, man, you know, the, when it comes down to Pro Bowl voting, it's it's kind of frustrating for the uh, the outdoor guys, especially right. in the Northeast. They don't these, separate it. Yeah, they don't separate that. But I mean, that's part of the game, and um, it's almost you know you're proud to to have success in these type of conditions. So you know, uh, Jamie hitting the ball well, um, all the guys really, you know, it's it's a different. Um, a different type of football played up in the northeast so you got to take some pride in that and and uh but kicking in domes is, is pretty awesome you know it's, it's the perfect conditions and and but you also can't let that get to your head you know thinking everything's going to be easy I try to treat it the exact same and and uh you know I feel like early in my career I kind of had that thought and you know you miss a couple and you're like oh you know you better sharpen up so that's where I'm at now that's why I try to uh try to respond to kicking a dome you know it's funny i can't even remember who said it the other night but i think it actually may have been saquon the idea of you know asking about you and he said well you know we remember he beat us <laughs> with the 63 yarder when you first got here you you said i expect a lot of people to bring it up all the time yeah. it's amazing that you've been here now three years and guys are still remembering oh, that yeah. kick that you made in carolina I, I hear it uh, almost every week at the stadium uh <laughs> somebody will come up to me and you know when i'm kicking in the net and they're like i still don't forgive you for that it's funny <laughs> I, I got a saquon gave me one of his jerseys um last year the year before and he, he wrote on it i still don't forgive you for that 63 yarder <laughs> and uh so I, I gave him one back and I said, sorry about that. <laughs> but, um, That's great. Yeah, normally people ask me, I say, I don't remember that. I don't remember that happening. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm over here kicking on the giant side now. So something fun, and then, and then I'll let you go because I know you, you're, oh, you're up fine. against it. Um, in terms of the locker room, you've got a front row seat to the ping pong wars yeah. that have happened in this locker room. What, what's that like? I know you get involved sometimes. Yep. I think you had one a couple of weeks ago. Leo right? you and, and I Leo. have a good little rivalry going. Uh, we have a post-it note up there with the with the score. Um, so what's the score now? Um, I don't want to throw him under the bus, you know, about about the score. But I, I've got a pretty solid lead going on right now. Okay. But uh, he's really good. We have some good matches. Um, but yeah, it's funny. Most of the time, we'll get balls uh, flying into our locker. You know, we're picking up ping pong balls out of the, out of our cleats. You'd be <laughs> surprised, like where they end up in the little spaces in our lockers. But and I saw um, a couple of the offensive, the reserve offensive linemen yesterday. Now that now they decided to play doubles in yeah. ping pong. I'm they like, have the doubles matches going. Um, that gets fun. I played doubles the other day. I think it was Dex or uh, Leo or Corey Cunningham. I think it was my my teammate. But it's fun. You know, it's it's a good way to develop uh, some camaraderie with your teammates. Get to know them a little bit better and. And it's neat, you know. We have the couches in there. I yep. mean, guys will stay till late hours just talking to each other, and it's it's a lot of fun. We've got a really good group of guys. It's some of the most fun I've had in my career. Your relationship with Hottie, he obviously had a video on Instagram <laughs> yesterday, uh, and you came from behind, kind of swiped his money a little bit. Yeah. But you've had a relationship with him to to this point. I remember seeing something live that you guys did on Instagram with your yep. kids. What what's that relationship like? And and how. You're 35, you know, you, I'm sure you want to do this for another 10 years, but how much more do you cherish those kind of relationships uh, with new teammates? It really is special. You know, the, 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 excuse me, the relationships you build with guys, it's, that's what I've always heard from former players that they miss the most is the locker room and the family type of uh, atmosphere that you have in there. I mean, Hadi and I come from completely different backgrounds, completely different parts of the country, and you know, he's a good buddy of mine. And I can say the same for a ton of guys in that locker room. There's not one guy that I, I don't get along with in there. You know, I, I love them all like they're my brothers. And, 
And I really, I truly enjoy playing the game with him. It's fun coming to work every single day. You've been on a team that went to the Super Bowl. You reminded me when I had a Super Bowl 50 uh, <laughs> jacket on that that was the one that you had stolen away from you by right. Von Miller. Um, is this, I don't want to say it's the Super Bowl team, but are there common threads when a team starts winning that you can see, that you know, all right, we're going to be in position later this year to really have a chance? Yeah, I mean, I don't like you know getting too far ahead like that, but there is a lot of uh, a lot of things in common with this team that uh, you know we had in Carolina that year, um, especially with the players. You know, we've got a lot of great character guys, and and it's just it's fun. You know, we we had fun playing the game, and and I see that on the sidelines on game day, the the juice that we have. You know, the guys jumping around, the guys genuine excitement for their teammates having success you know I think that's that's when you really see a special team is when somebody else has success and everybody else rallies around them and, and is actually happy for them so um, I think we, ha- we have something special here you know uh, don't want to look too far ahead but it's definitely a special season and uh, it's exciting to be playing here last thing Santa Gano <laughs> yeah, I'm sure your kids are all revved up for the weekend um, how do you balance it how does a guy who has a family balance playing on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. I'm sure you know the logistics of everything are, are difficult how do you how do you pull it off yeah it's uh, I mean it's part of the game you know um, there's a lot of people that would love to be in my position uh, playing football and on Christmas Eve and that's always I try always take the look at the positive uh, parts of it you know um, you can focus on so many negative things like oh you know I'm going to be away from family I'm going to be this that and the other but at the end of the day I mean what a blessing you know we get to play this game and and have fun and you know I'll, I'll be able to see my family as well and as long as everybody's happy you know I'm, I'm going to be happy so uh, I'm looking forward to it it's, uh, it's a special thing being able to play this game and something I don't take for granted your wife to kind of take care of the, the oh, gift she is, giving the my gift wife buying. is unbelievable she's incredible uh, I said something to her the other day I was like I wasn't much of a help huh? and she goes much of a help she's, <laughs> she laughs that you weren't any help I was like yeah I'm sorry <laughs> But, um, yeah, she's incredible. Um, you know, she doesn't get enough credit. She's really the, the one that keeps our family going, and, and I'm super thankful for her. I know the feeling. Well, listen, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And, you know, go get a couple more, and we'll see you uh, playing beyond that, that uh, Week 18 game uh, in Philly. Hopefully. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Graham Gano. Great season. Continued success. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right, special thanks to Graham Gano. Obviously, Merry Christmas to him and his family. And if you don't follow Graham on Instagram, uh, it's a uh, you're you're missing out. When he gets together with his kids, it's pretty hilarious. Especially if you're a parent out there, it's it's fun to watch. Uh, and then his exchanges in the locker room. Graham is one of the funniest guys in there. Uh, obviously, a veteran, and uh, like he mentioned, his exchanges with Jihad Ward, Hadi, uh, have been entertaining this year. So uh, make sure you check that out if you're not following Graham on the Graham. All right. I asked you late, but a lot of you guys delivered the final drive, your questions, my answers, and let's roll. Uh, TR Nasty, Tim wants to know, McKay Polk, 
wide receiver on the practice squad. Any chance he will play on the big squad this year? I don't see it, Tim. I think he's there to develop. They have some players like that. We talked about Khalil Pimpleton. I think they just identified developing talent, and they're using certain spots. Now that you've got 16 spots, they're using spots to develop. Uh, so I would not expect Polk to be a guy who gets up to the active roster. And one of the reasons for that, if he hasn't gotten up yet and there have been opportunities, I don't see them rushing a guy to come back on the field. You know, you still have guys who are kind of buried on the 53, guys like Marcus Johnson and Kenny Galladay uh, who are still there. And you're not going to cut Kenny Galladay. Uh, and Marcus Johnson, I think they like him on special teams. Obviously, he's taking time at Gunner, uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Isaac Medina. Isaac, back and better than ever. What went wrong with Tay Crowder? Also, Radarius, will he have the same destiny? Well, Tay Crowder's mistake was tweeting and saying, free me. Uh, you know, look, Tay has done a lot in his first couple years as Mr. Irrelevant, that's rare. It just doesn't happen. You don't have a guy get thrust into the lineup the way he was. So I think there's part of his game, and Wink Martindale talked about that yesterday, is that there were things that they wanted to correct with Tay, and they just didn't have the time. Basically, he told you that they were not going to correct mistakes in live action. You're not 4-12 and here. You're not trying to just develop guys in live action. You are trying to win games and you can't consistently put out guys there who are missing tackles, making misreads. And I think Tay was doing that. Now, as I tweeted when he was released and when he was waived, it may not be a goodbye. And all indications are that Tay Crowder is going to re-sign with the Giants practice squad. So if you're on the practice squad, that's where you can work out uh, some of these kinks in your game, some of the things that you don't necessarily get up to speed, that you haven't taken that time to develop because you've been thrust into a starting role. Um, You know, Tay Crowder was never projected to be a starter in the NFL as a rookie and in his second year. So that's what I see with Tay. And Rodarius Williams, I think he's just going to keep plucking away. I, I don't necessarily think with all the time that he had in rehabbing his injury, his knee injury, his ACL, that he's up to speed with the rest of the guys. So uh, I don't think it's more of a goodbye. I think it's just the Giants trying to take the players that need development and put them aside. They also needed a, a roster spot. I think it hasn't been official as time at the time of me recording this podcast, but Landon Collins earns a spot on the 53 in my mind. Uh, So I think they'll swap out Tay Crowder for Landon Collins, and that was why Crowder was waived uh, even more than anything else. All right. Just there for soul, I think, is is his name. Disgusted Giants fan. What are you still disgusted about? Come on, change that name. Uh, Does it make sense for the Giants to make a push to sign OBJ now? If we're in the playoffs, we should play to win. Uh, I don't don't think they're going to continue to make a push for Odell. I think they would sign Odell. I think they're interested. Maybe it's more of an offseason thing. Uh, But look... If you think you're gonna you're gonna predict what's gonna happen with Odell uh, over the next couple weeks, uh, just when you think you know, uh, you know, 
I'm going to steal a line from Rowdy Roddy Piper. Just when you think you have all the answers, he's going to change the questions. And I think that's a perfect statement for what Odell Beckham Jr.'s quote-unquote free agent recruitment has been over the last couple, really the last month. Um, G Money wants to know what the situation is with Dane Belton. We haven't seen him on a field in over a month. I think they just found different combinations that they like on the back end. You know, Dane's a young player who's trying to develop, and, you know, Jason Pinnock has brought different things in the run game. He's a big hitter from the back end, and I think, you know, Dane, when he had, he had like a two- to three-week stretch where uh, his clavicle was bothering him, and he was on the injury report, uh, and obviously, you know, they may want to reel it back a little bit and not put him in a situation where he's not going to have or be available if if that clavicle ends up fracturing again. So, uh, look, he's still involved on special teams, and I think they'll have him as an opportunity uh, down the stretch depending on matchups. DJ Math wants to know, well, Giants have about $58 million in cap space, could be some more. How much of that do you think goes to players on the, currently on the roster? I do think Julian Love will be back. Uh, as long as the Giants don't look to undercut him as far as pay, he knows his value, what he's been to this team this year. I think he's earned uh, a contract uh, in his market value, you know, maybe $8 million a year, $7, $8 million a year. I think that's kind of where his market, the last time I checked. As far as Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, I think they'll both be back. I think Barkley ends up on the franchise tag for a year. And I think Daniel Jones will likely get a two to three year deal uh, with the annual average salary uh, for the base coming in right around what his 50 year option would have been anywhere from 20 to $22 million a year. I think that kind of deal would get it done and keep Daniel Jones here, but also not lock the giants into a, you know, 30, $40 million a year contract. I don't think Daniel Jones is hitting the market and getting that type of deal. So if the giants want him here and Daniel Jones wants to be here, uh, I think a two to three year deal uh, at, Right around that twenty to twenty-two million dollar range, I think Daniel Jones will be back uh, if he agrees to that. If not, then the Giants will be in the QB market, uh, and there will be more urgency to get that done. And uh, that wraps it up. Ryan O'Hare, you you hit me a little late. Uh, I talked to Graham yesterday, so he wanted to know about a potential playoff matchup. Uh, I don't think the players really focus on that right now. Um, I, they're not worried about combinations of if they win and this team loses, they can move from the five, the six to the five or anything like that. Uh, from my experience with players, they certainly don't dig as deep as we do. There are some who dig. Like I can see a guy like Julian Love being ver- very aware of what the Giants need. A guy like Saquon Barkley could be very aware of who they can play. Uh, that kind of thing. But for the most part, I think Brian Dable has set a good tone this year uh, that they have not really focused on playoff odds and playoff scenarios. As Leonard Williams said after the Washington game, when he told me, you can't ignore the percentages, and I said to him, who told you about the percentages? And he pointed to 
myself and Tom Rock of Newsday and said, you guys. So they're hearing it from us. That's how they can't ignore it. But Brian Dable has taken a different approach than Tom Coughlin used to do when the Giants were focused on the playoffs. Coughlin used to put the standings right up on the wall, pointed to them essentially every Wednesday when he opened that week's preparation. Dable has not done that. Uh, will he do that over the last couple of weeks? I- I'm not sure. We'll have to see. But my guess is they just stay squarely on Minnesota and then move on to the Colts on Christmas. That about does it. I want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. We will be back this weekend. And for those still celebrating Hanukkah, obviously all the best to you and your family. Uh, I will be back next week for the New Year's Day game against the Colts. But thanks for always listening. We are all in, and we appreciate you being all in, too.